Hello and welcome to the 27th and very belated Randomer Nintendo. I am Jason and I am joined by my two co-hosts through the power of the internet. We have Angel. Angel. Okay, there's a bit of an echo. Great. And we have Kevin. We have Kevin. And if you guys thought I talked a lot in a standard episode of podcast, wait until you, all, you, all you hear is me and people repeating back what I said. It's going to be a great show. No, but seriously, it hasn't been a while. How, how are you guys It's going to be doing? a great show. See? There you go. It's going to be a great show. That's all you need. I'm curious how long this will go for. I'm just going to say random things and see. Like, um, I don't know. I, I had pizza for dinner. You I had advantage pizza of for the dinner. 50% off. Okay. Angel broke first. Kevin, good job committing to the bit. Angel, gotta work on what it. <laughs> the echo <laughs> that you apparently were doing. The, uh, I was the... doing no echo. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, anyway, how are you guys doing? Also, doesn't help that I did actually have pizza for dinner today. So, oh. Domino's is uh, has this like promotion where it's essentially a buy one get one free, but the free one you can redeem anywhere between now and like next February. What? That's actually a really good oh. deal. And they call it an emergency pizza. That's an amazing marketing. Their Domino's are the best huh. at like gimmicky marketing. Like you can order Domino's from an Domino's. app in your car if you want, which like at that point you could use your phone or you could just go to Domino's. But the gimmick is strong, so they do it. You can drop a pin and they'll bring you a pizza on the beach. Can't really? Yeah. They did a whole ad campaign yeah, around it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And we're not paid by Domino's, but really we should be because that was like a solid minute of just praising Domino's. Yeah, I mean, well, I had Pizza Hut for dinner, so it's not like... Did you have the uh, the? Ninja I thought Turtle you guys one? were making a pizza, not buying a pizza. I made pizza. We also had... Well, I think, yeah, that was Jason. But... Yeah. Yeah, I don't think oh, we made a pizza here in forever. And I don't even think we really made it. I think it was just uh, DiGiorno. Is, is that, that the... It's not delivery. It's yeah, no. Yeah, no, uh, Kevin, I was the one who, uh, for a little little inside track, everyone, we were supposed to start recording 30 minutes prior to when we did, but then my pizza was taking too long. So. Yep. Yep. Ruined I ruined everything. Yeah, but it was it was a Blue Apron pizza. So they give you the dough, and they just make the sauce and put it on the dough, and then you put the thing in the oven, and yeah. And it's a New York aficionado. It was not a New York style pizza. No, it was like, I don't know how to describe it. It was almost like a, it it was, first of all, it was square because it was in a square pan. Just a Sicilian pizza? A little, but um, it was a little doughier than a New York, like it wasn't a thin pizza. It was more doughy. Um, It almost was like kind of a bake in a way, even though it was a pizza. Like a kind of like a pasta bake vibe to it. Riveting pocket. We haven't been on in a month, almost exactly a month. And the first thing we do for our listeners when we come back is have me awkwardly and poorly describe a half do-it-yourself <laughs> pizza. <laughs> if people thought they missed us, what man, was, did I guarantee they did on that pizza? Well, Blue Apron is like four portions with fresh ingredients for like 50. So it's an okay yum to buck. I mean, part of it is also... 50 bucks for however... Big that pizza was? Well, no, 50 for four portions of food, two meals, all ingredients covered and correctly portioned out. So, and if you act know. now using a uh, promo code, no, I wish I had promo like, code. what is 50? Like, is that over the 
Like, do you get that amount of food for delivery, or is for it like fifty dollars? The equivalent to actually, I don't know if it's fifty dollars a week or every two weeks, but every week a box shows up with two meals with two servings of various types of dishes. So this one wait, wait. had a uh, yeah. one more time for fifty dollars a month. You get two meals. No, no, no. It's I think it's a, <laughs> I don't think it's monthly, but no, you get two meals that have right? two. It's a subscription. Two meals that have two servings, so four meals. For all fresh ingredients. Deli- well, all fresh ingredients to delivered week, for weekly. For fifty dollars, that number can't be right. No, that number is right. Is that number right? You yeah, get four meals a month for fifty dollars. No, it's a week. <laughs> it's a week. Oh, that's still. Oh, so that's what eight? That's eight meals. A month? No, it's fifty. 16 oh, meals a month? <laughs> no, 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 no. But you, I don't think you pay monthly. I don't remember what the month. I don't remember if the 50 yeah, is bi-weekly or monthly. I wasn't prepared for this. No one said I was going to be pitching Blue Apron to the audience. Don't bring it up. You were not ready with the facts, dog. We gotta... I was just telling you I made a pizza. I was expecting to get the the. Are you telling me all, all we're getting from this is that you just blindly pay for it? Correct. <laughs> even knowing if it's a good deal or Correct. not. Correct. Because we did for a long time have it covered not by us, and then it switched over to us paying it. I don't remember the breakdown uh-huh. uh account sayings i'm doing this live all right let's see the price is two meals two servings each hold on i gotta write this down two meals okay two ser- so four things uh oh that's cool it says nothing about the price on this screen hmm okay well, well then one of the i'll have to get back be... to you guys at some point i, I mean you get charged every X amount of time. Yeah, but I don't pay and that, much that amount of time. But you're but but you you're getting a week's worth of food, right? I'm getting four meals a week or a day. Week. That is. I'm just gonna be quiet. It's all fresh and pre-portioned. Yeah, I'm so a little confused, but and it comes with the pizza's a week one. We probably had ste- the other dish if was you just did it steak. yourself. Yeah, but then I don't know how to do wow. it. Some baby. I didn't know how to cook until Blue Apron. Gotcha. How did you how did you learn to cook with Blue Apron? They portioned everything and I just followed the recipe. It's the portions right. I got. Right, right, right. Oh, right, right. wait, you're about you to blow my mind. Recipes. What if I portion other things by hand? Whoa. Or what if yeah, not only that, but you could also probably go I don't know, on the internet and see recipes for meals the same way that, you know, Blue Yeah, Apron's but the difference is everything's measured here. And source and stuff. Like, I don't have to go shop for it. It's all here. God forbid you, you you know, separate know. stuff by hand. No. No, not me. I need some person somewhere Whatever, else not, to put I'm it in a, a I'm box. I'm tell you how to spend your money, but. <laughs> no, it's. Uh, for, 50, for 50 bucks a week, I'm expecting at least, you know. It might be 50 bucks every two weeks. I'm not sure. 50 bucks every two weeks. Uh, I'm so not 100 sure. 100 bucks a month. I'm not sure. But all I know. I thought you said it was 60. That's like a gym subscription just right there. Like a right, but in the other direction, it's a gym going in reverse. You're adding food to you instead of working food off you. <laughs> so mm. um, I'm literally going my credit card right now and looking at how frequently I see it listed on here because that's the type of podcast we have today. So I was charged October 4th, <laughs> <laughs> and then I was charged September 29th. Charged so it's weekly. So it's weekly. It's 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 actually 60, it turns out. And weekly? It looks like it's weekly. It looks like it's 60. Oh, so we're man. paying about 12. Are we paying? Yeah, like 12. You're paying no. $2,400 a month. What? Where did you get that math? 
Sorry for interjecting. I got super spooked right now. I thought mm. that I was hearing the Exorcist theme song, but I took out my headphones and it's just the ice cream man passing by. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not viral marketing for the new yeah, Exorcist I thought, movie. Like, maybe that there was like a hidden a hidden web page that I had somewhere that I was playing the Exorcist theme song. Nope, just the just it's, the ice cream man. Woo. It's amazing to me. Speaking of things that have happened in our time off, um, so Taylor Swift announced that she's doing a movie of her concert, which like movie films are no big deal. The Exorcist and like three other movies moved their releases out of the way, and now the Taylor Swift movie is expected to make a hundred million dollars opening weekend. It's just concert footage. That's crazy. And also, I, I what is it. this? And what is this Venn diagram of like people that are choosing between seeing The Exorcist or Taylor Swift? Like, is that actually that could have been a, an Oppenheimer, Barbie, Barbieheimer, Bar, Bar, Barbieheimer type of thing? Exorcist. We know it's part of the yeah, exact same demographic. Exorcist. Why would they? Why would they not make that a possibility? Well, but they um, the same demographic, apparently. Yeah, maybe. And they're just like. But but to to your point, Angel, about the the direct and stuff, um, yeah, a lot happened kind of close together because Apple and Nintendo were like literally two days apart, and I think um, those are definitely two separate conversations to have: Apple and Nintendo, or Nintendo and Apple. But um, I do find it funny that all the times we've talked about Nintendo directs on the podcast over the years, and like the um, like the many times we've now talked about Apple events and are not just Nintendo shows. This might have been the one time where the two events. Had they kind of told very similar stories almost like in a weird way, us delaying discussing it also is appropriate for what those stories were because for all the differences between those events, you know, the announcements, the products, whatever, the story of each product and, and really of the companies is that their signature products are plateauing. Like Nothing announced at either of those events, unless you guys disagree, but I'm considering you don't remember most of the direct angel. Nothing announced at either of those events to me felt either mind-blowing or unexpected or, like, there was no, like, innovative new, like, thing that would require some in-depth analysis or deep conversation. Well, if there was, I definitely would remember. Right? Yeah, like, it was like we didn't have the conversation of is this a good idea or a stupid gimmick about – and there's two companies that really love to have good ideas that may also be stupid gimmicks, and they are Nintendo and Apple. So <laughs> it is kind of sad that, like, at a bare minimum, we always used to have the Smash Brothers character reveal. Hey, even we had Wave we Six of with. Mario Kart DLC, and even then, they it wasn't. I mean, I don't want to say it's not, nothing to get excited about. It's something very much to get excited about. But they just did like a here are the characters and one track. So with the other three, that was also yeah. yeah. Oh, you mean the other seven? Yeah, sorry, uh, yeah. other seven. Yeah, um, but no, yeah. yeah. So, so that kind of so that made me almost forget the announcement almost entirely pretty quickly. Besides, you know, Monkey Kong and Diddy, like that's great. Pauline, that's cool. And then you get random like I don't know why Pichet. They, they could have given us that eight bit Donkey Kong Junior or that sixteen bit Mario. I feel like because. Cool. I feel like that's the through line of all of this, of the direct. Of, like, I feel like the reason they even did Pichet is because they're playing <laughs> it safe. Excited. Like, simply, yeah, no, simply put, everything from these events, from Pichet to the iPhone, it's up. They're playing it safe. Like, like I feel like Nintendo and Apple are just, like, on the cusp of these really big shifts in um, their companies. You know, for Nintendo, obviously, we got the Switch successor around the corner. Uh, 
whatever that turns out to be, Apple has the Vision Pro and what they consider to be like this huge new leap into spatial computing and whatever. Um, but yeah, what we saw at those events with little things like even not, you know, not even making a big deal of Mario Kart tracks to be like, oh, here's some tracks that are reused assets and other Mario Karts. Um, yeah, they're just kind of retrofitting past stuff for the short term while they figure out their kind of, well, or not really figure out, but while they dig around doing their longer term stuff. Like, I think Nintendo, like, it kind of meant the direct that was just like all ports remastered. Well, not all, but it was packed with ports, remasters, remakes, revamps. Um, there's some cool surprises among them. I don't know. I guess you forgot about this, Angel, and I don't know if you're even aware, but they brought back Trace Memory out of the blue. They, you know, Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. Fudge muffins. Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. Damn it. We were talking about F-099, like the idea of taking F-099 and running it through the 99 formula is kind of interesting. Damn, that was nothing. I was excited about that. Yeah, but like... And they're cool. memories. I'm sad I forgot that one. Which I still blame the Direct on? Yes. How do you blame the Direct? (laughs) Um, Because besides Trace Memory and Thousand Year Door, I guess... That other statement that you said earlier, there wasn't anything super amazing that they announced. That like, there wasn't anything, of... like... I wouldn't say amazing. Yeah, because even Trace Memory, anything... it's more of, like... Yeah. Like, I'm excited about that, but it was kind of like, oh, yeah, I had forgotten. I was trying to play through that game on the DS, but just never got around to it, and I always thought it'd be nice to have another chance to play it. And now we do. Right. Um. But, you know, once I get one, it's like, when is it coming out? Like, and I'm buying it, but... Sometime yeah. next year, I think. But yeah, and it's the first two games combined. So it's the DS one and the Wii sequel that never came to the yeah, States. Which is cool. And they're calling it another code, which is what was called in Japan and Europe. Well, weird little trend line in that direct is uh, every game that had a different yeah, name in good. the US now has its international name. So Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon is now Luigi's Mansion 2, for example. Uh, so they're standardizing that. But my, my, my point was, like, those are cool surprises for sure. But you could tell Nintendo's, uh-huh. like, not unloading huge new ideas or games onto the switch at this point which is not a knock against what we're getting at all just like the reality is like i know kevin you've alluded to this a lot on the podcast the switch has a technological ceiling right like it's 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 specs can only do so much it can only go so far jason jason Jason. and and this is where you're wrong i'm just kidding Um, (laughs) but as i say go ahead one thing came to mind um well, it, it's not. It doesn't really go against your statement much. It's just um, their use of. Um, you said they're not coming out with anything, any new experimental game or anything crazy like that. Well, a but little. They there... had Princess Peach, uh, Super there is, Showstopper. Um, thing. Oh my god! I wish I remember what game it was for. But they had a quick little demo about how you were using the IR sensor to aim something. It was in WarioWare. Move it. What was it? There's a, there's, a, there's a set of micro games in the new WarioWare that uses the IR sensor. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. They're, they're still innovating with IR. Yeah, okay. Yes, and IR. they're still doing entirely new games like Princess Peach Showstopper, or whatever it's called, where she wears outfits and does things. Yes. But like, what I'm saying is like the heavy hitting, like the big spends on resources and budget. WarioWare is not the AAA. Now, you know, those are going to the Switch well, too. Mario Wonder. Point. I mean, I mean it's not the well, Mario flashiest, Wonder... heaviest kind of game, but I mean... Well, here's the thing about Mario Wonder. It's I actually literally think that's a... what Nintendo built their house on. I think that's a great example of my point, actually. Because now that you mention okay. it, like, Mario Wonder is... 
It's using the existing new Super Mario Brothers engine. They gave it a snazzy new coat of paint. They put it through the lens of more modern gaming. Like, they got stuff like the Dark Souls-style, like, online ghost data that helps you. They have, like, a very light RPG element with, like, the badges that assign abilities. It feels fresh. It looks great. It's wacky and weird. It's having fun with the Mario formula. But I played the demo at Target the other day. Um, I loved it. But when my friend, I was chatting with my friends, and he asked me, how was it? All I could really say was, it, it feels like Mario. Like, it's good. It's great. It's just safe from, like, a budget and resource perspective. And I know we talked, like, a month ago um, about how the devs were given no deadlines on it. So, obviously, it's not low budget. I mean, they needed to be given a runway to experiment with ideas, which itself costs money and salaries and man hours and stuff. But I think if you, I think you get what I'm saying, though, right? Like, this isn't a new type of Mario a la 3D Lander World. This isn't a totally ground-up thing like Odyssey was. It, it's not like a Metroid Prime 4 type of release in terms of the the... the technological depth of it it's not labo or ring fit in terms of like centering around a really weird new idea that's a gamble that's either gonna flop or become this massive system seller that'll bring in a new audience it's 2d mario polished up real nice with some weirdness within the confines of what mario game is like that weirdness is contained to it's still a mario it's a 2d mario like it's gonna be really fun and the demo was nice but like that's not the game that I feel like if you're trying to show off the, the 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 pinnacle of what the Switch can do and really innovate and bring in a new audience, you wouldn't trot out Mario Wonder. You wouldn't trot out Trace Memory. You know, you wouldn't necessarily... Maybe if you're trying to latch on, get some people to come into the thing, like Mario RPG or Luigi's Mansion 2, like you have a baked-in cult audience there. Maybe you can make a case like Mario vs. Donkey Kong, which was also announced in the Direct, the remake from Game Boy Advance. Like, that's playing off characters' rivalry... Like, the, the the two characters' rivalry from um, the Mario movie, you know, that's the first time the rivalry's been kind of in the forefront in a couple of decades. Now they have a game that's playing off that. So you can make the case that there's games that are catering and doing certain things and getting certain audiences, but, like, this kind of feels like the Twilight Years of when the Wii went through this, when the 3DS went through this, you know, it, it's... Yeah. <laughs> you get what I mean, though, right? Like, it, it's kind of like... The last hurrah, not the, the, you know, compare this to like, I don't know, the first two years. No, of the yeah, yeah. I, I can see it. I mean, and that being said, though, like for a last hurrah or like for, like, I, I totally agree. Like it feels like uh, the, I guess the trajectory that we've been hitting has been going to be more simpler and like we're ready to swan song our way out of this console. Yeah. And I mean, an element to that, I think. I mean, even Zelda, like, kind of would be a nice, like, bookmark on both ends. Like, oh, cool, it started and it was Zelda. Mm -hmm. That's, like, they're the big, the big money one. Totally. And that's not the to big say, one. for what's worth, that's but, not to say any of these games aren't good or aren't worth the attention or the time. Like, it's really I mean, cool the audience is big saying, enough. But, no, no. But it's really cool that, like, the audience is big enough to support them trying to bring back, bring back a trace memory or that they do see potential in working through the contract negotiations negotiations with Square Inks and getting a Super Mario RPG. It's just how many of these games are reused scenarios or foundations that already existed but never like reached their full potential, whether it's for sales reasons, whether it's for technical technological reasons, whether it's for, you know what I mean? Like these are just mm. kind of been there. It's kind of like spruced up or fully thought out things we've seen before, which is what I was kind of saying about Mario Wonder. Like it's very cool. It's great. It has really fun ideas within it. But it's not like it's anything truly groundbreaking. It's familiar. 
It's all everything we're seeing is familiar. It's remakes, it's remasters, it's revamps, like I was saying before. Like it's all kind of, you know what I mean? And I think what was interesting is I feel like on the Apple side, like two days before Nintendo did all this, it was it was the same. Like they their announcements felt very similar in terms of just reintroducing, refining, revamping all existing things. I mean, straight up, like this new iPhone they announced, which I'm sitting next to me, like this doesn't have an exclusive new gimmick that was a new thing for smartphones. You know, there's no dynamic island, there's no MagSafe accessories, there's no Apple Pay, there's no Face ID, there's nothing like that that would motivate you to have to upgrade right away. Even the USB-C port changeover, they didn't even make that a selling point. They spent like 10 seconds mentioning it in passing, and functionality-wise, it does exactly what iPads with USB-C do. So there's no like... Not that there has to be, but there's nothing quote-unquote new there. Like instead this year the focus, kind of like how Nintendo is like, here's all our things, but we kind of put a new coat of paint on them. Like the focus literally was a coat of paint. Like the big new thing for iPhone is titanium. It's now in titanium. It's everything you know about the iPhone. We just put it in a different case. Check it out. And like, I don't know. It's it's. I guess feature-wise we got an action button, which for those who don't know is that customizable side button where the mute switch used to be. Um... But, like, that's something phones a decade ago had. And then it fell out of favor because iPhones didn't include one. Now it's back as this, like, quote-unquote new selling point, even though it's an old idea. Like, that's kind of what both Nintendo and Apple seem to be doing right now. It's just like, here's some old stuff you kind of maybe remember, but we, like, made it prettier and flashier and are using modern tech to, like, spruce it up. Like, a a good example that actually is um, on the software side, one of the banner features for iOS 17 this year is you're able to put two iPhones together, like you bring them together, and they'll essentially beam your contact information from one to the other with like this uh-huh. slick little animation that comes out of the dynamic island. Like it glows and shakes, and then boop, there's your contact. Um, I remember in the late 2000s, there's an app called Bump that let you hit two phones together. I think it was for Android and BlackBerry. Maybe it worked with iPhone, actually. But yeah, Android and BlackBerry for sure. And literally, you would bump them together, put them together, just like Apple's now doing. They play a little animation, just like Apple's now doing. And your contact details would be swapped with the other person, just like Apple. It's the same idea. It's just because iOS 17 can leverage current technology to make it a little simpler. You don't have to actually bump, and it looks visually much cooler because better processing power, better screen tech, whatever. Like, now it's a new thing, but it's actually an old idea. It's sort of like um, like Paper Mario's Switch port where it's leveraging the current tech of the Switch to be able to look a lot better with HD graphics and then have like realistic cardboard textures and stuff that the GameCube couldn't output. It's the same game, same scenario, same story, same mechanics. just looks a lot nicer because it can use the modern tech to do it. And like none of this is a knock. I don't think um, – you know, it's not like the new iPhone is bad or any of these Nintendo announcements are bad because of any of this. Like I, yeah, I mean, you bought it. Yeah, exactly. Like I went from a 12 Pro to a 15 Pro, and all the nips, tucks, refinements, you know, everything they've introduced over the years make it feel pretty great as an upgrade. Um, you know, I have three years of changes all at once. Uh, better screen tech, all you know, kind of fine tuned. The titanium does feel super nice. It's slightly more rounded, so it's a little more comfy to hold. And the camera enhancements, um, you know, they make for some really nice night shots. And they have this ability now to retroactively apply portrait mode which is pretty slick. So even if um, you take a normal photo later, if it detected the depth information, it can do the portrait mode. But to my broader point, nothing with portrait mode itself is different. There's no new options. It doesn't, like, it's a little cleaner, the cutout in portrait mode, like the blur is better, and you can do it later, but it's still the same portrait mode. They just 
you know, use the technology to catch it up to kind of what the vision could have been when they first introduced it a few years ago, if it wasn't for the lack of the technology. So I don't know, like the whole complete package as the new iPhone 15, or in this case, the Pro, uh, it does feel really nice and it's fresh enough to be worthwhile in my eyes. It's just that phones in general have kind of hit a technological ceiling, not in terms of power, like like that's the switches ceiling it's now hitting, but in terms of just like new uses, I guess. So I feel like what I'm getting at is it's like the iPhone's almost the Mario Wonder thing when you mentioned Mario Wonder. Like the iPhone 15 is all the features that are familiar, but they're tweaked, they're fine-tuned, they're augmented. There's just enough newness and like kind of little twists on what you expect thanks to modern technology, thanks to things they couldn't physically do a couple years ago uh, that I and presumably most people that like the brand are happy with. Meanwhile, you know, Apple can plug away at what it considers the real next new hotness, which is spatial computing, just like Nintendo can pump out Mario Wonder, but plug away at the Switch 2 in the background where most of their resources are probably going. So anyway, that's a little parallel parallel I drew in my head between the Nintendo Direct and the Apple event because they happened so close together and they were so thematically similar in that regard. Like it's basically that line from True Detective that time is a flat time was it time is a flat circle time is but a time flat circle. Is a flat circle. Yeah, it's basically that. Just the caveat is each time we go around the circle, it like looks slightly better than the last time we went around it, like visually. But yeah, I don't know. That that's kind of like the thing I felt coming out of both of those. Although I'm happy with the phone, I'm happy with the announcements. Did did anything stand out to you guys in the direct that you or are either you getting the new phone? Like where are you guys kind of at with that week of news that we had? Uh, I mean, I just remember coming out of the direct overall positive. Like, yeah, like you had mentioned, you had that remake of, well, I guess a lot of remakes, but the Trace Memory, like, I guess a reintroduction. Like, it just gave me hope for maybe other DS era games coming over, like Hotel Dusk. Like, I thought that that'd be cool. cool. Yeah. Anything that just kind of like follows that same format. Like, I'm. It made me wonder, like, if we'll ever get, like, a related collection of, like, the first five games or even just the first three DS ones. Like, did, it, did you say of Layton? Like, Professor Layton? Layton, yeah, Professor Layton. Level five's trying yeah. desperately to become relevant again. They had some financial issues, so I would not be surprised if they take the easy road and do that in a few years. Yeah. Yeah, so basically, like, it's been a while when... It's been a while since I've watched a direct that made me get really speculative or like hopeful like with things that could come just because i'm really enjoying this gamecube era game push that yeah been doing yeah and i mean if that means another gx yes if not then well just, just keep hoping i mean so maybe a chibi robo or something especially if you're not caring as much with what ends up being a quote-unquote switch title point the, the thing that like gives me some hope is nintendo's at the point where they're looking at 100 what 130 plus million switch owners and they're going well what game did we previously have that could reach a bigger audience now so they see something in in narrative driven stuff like trace memory like when ashley popped up during the direct i was one of the few times that audibly watching a nintendo direct went what like i did not expect her at all to show up like that was so out of left field um so they clearly see some potential there they clearly see, obviously, they know the demand for Paper Mario. I have to imagine Paper Mario and F-099 are almost like a litmus test to see if those franchises, like what direction, if there's an audience to do a more formal sequel, like a proper new resources required beyond just sprucing up sequel. Um, but yeah, it definitely feels like they're kind of in this stage, like you said, where it's like, well, what can we, what can we throw against the wall and see what works? So, 
Yeah. Chibi Robo, this I mean, they've thrown Chibi Robo against the wall like four times in hopes of it working. <laughs> and every single time he just fell in a pile of parts on the floor. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, like the only thing that people want with Chibi Robo is just the first game again. Agreed. Yeah, and they're really bad at doing it. I mean, even honestly, it's even a power chair. They know that's all it is because they're like, oh, they'll lose them. Totally. I mean, even even honestly, us- the F zero ninety nine thing. Like everyone wants F zero. People didn't think they wanted it. Like F zero. I mean, F zero ninety nine is very fun. I'll, I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But um, yeah, everyone's like, oh, it's not GX. It's like you know, I don't know if Nintendo. I don't know what they're thinking sometimes. Like they do a litmus test, but then they do it with not the thing. That was originally the thing, like Chibi Robo. Like it, it doesn't make sense sometimes. Like who thought Ziplash would be like the game that would make Chibi Robo a huge hit? You know. But is is there a GameCube era game besides F Zero that you like really really hope somehow surfaces between now and the Switch Two? Well, I mean, that's Chibi Robo. <laughs> we just mentioned that one as well. But besides those two, man, I guess maybe Double Dash, simply because that game mm. feels very different from how almost any Mario Kart feels, actually. Because you don't jump in that game. Like, your car doesn't jump. Which just, I mean, that alone, I feel just, like, changes like, a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like and... they still miss an opportunity to release Mario Kart's arcade version as like a home console port for like thirty bucks. Like make it clear it's a spin-off like they did with Mario Kart Live. Maybe bundle it with Double Dash and call it like the Mario Kart Legacy Collection or something. I don't know. But like there's an opportunity there. It's already done. It exists. They just have to they cruise and blast port it over easy enough. Like they've done it before. It shouldn't be that hard. I mean, it's a weird game, and it has, like, camera features and stuff. But I feel like, I don't know. This seems like an easy way to... Like, they go the other way. The Luigi's Mansion arcade game is based on the 3DS one, on Dark Moon. So if they go one way, they could go the other way, presumably. But who am I I to question Nintendo's logic? It's expected for me, or at least at this point, to also just want Metroid Prime 2, because I really did love Mm. that one as well. But yeah, I guess I've... something I normally wouldn't think to pick, besides obviously Windmaker, but that feels like it's weird at this point. Um, it was... Oh my god, I just had it right now. Oh, Four Swords Adventure. Oh, Four that's Swords an excellent choice. Yes. That's the one. For a so. system that has always promoted co-op play as heavily as the Switch and the idea that you can do two-player right there anytime, it is weird to me that they didn't do four swords but it's two players and then offer go online to go with other friends on a full four, full swords adventure. Like, like I played through all the original four swords in Game Boy Advance with a friend and we loved it and it was just two of us. Like, they could easily have done play two-player four swords on the go or four-player four swords online. Like, that would have been... What a missed opportunity. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, that's a a really good one. It's technically Wii, but I would also love for them to do an Excite collection with truck and bots. Um, Yeah. Again, it should be easy enough to port, I would imagine. I don't know. And and I do want – I feel like I should be fair. When I was talking about like, oh, Nintendo is like just kind of sprucing up old games. Like it takes effort and dev work and time and energy and blood, sweat, and tears to even do a port of Paper Mario or whatever – 
it's just a, it's a different tier than starting from scratch because you have a baseline scenario, baseline foundation to work off of. So like, you know, pouring sight truck, you have it. You just need to, you know, make it look HD and, and give it some, some texture work and make sure the net code's still good. Like, that's all I mean. I'm not trying to discredit those who do the ports because I know it's still a lot of work. It's just in the grander scheme of things, it's the easier path for a company that's maybe distracted with a new console. So... Um, Kevin, are there any favorite GameCube or even let's just say GameCube era? So even like PS2 or Xbox, are there any games that you'd love to see now like get revamped and be portable? No, no, I'm kidding. Uh... <laughs> I hate everything from like, 2001 to 2008. <laughs> I don't know if I care so much about these these like GameCube era games being portable. Like I just wouldn't mind playing them again. Like I'm super excited for Thousand Year Door. That's gonna be great. Super Mario mm-hmm. RPG is coming out this year as well, right? Yeah, it comes out November. It's Nintendo's big holiday game this year, so November mm-hmm. like 18th or something. Yep, yep. Yeah, so I the fact that they're portable doesn't doesn't really mean much to me. Like, don't sure. get me wrong. At this wedding, I did take my Steam Deck, and it was cool playing Liza P on there. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Back like up, back these... up, back up. When at a wedding were you playing a Steam Deck? Like, in what scenario do you play the Steam Deck during a wedding? I'm just curious. In the hotel? Oh, you stayed. Okay, for some reason I thought you just went for the day. I don't know. No. It, it was here in L.A., wasn't it? No, it was in Malibu. Oh, well, that's close to L.A. Okay, but fair. Yeah, you're being safe, smart man. Yeah. Um. Mm. So, I mean, that was cool, but at the same time, it's... I, those games I would definitely just play at home, like on my right. my TV. So Right. Yeah, I forgot these were all technically portable now, or going to be portable, but yeah, like, yeah, and almost... Yeah, that's fair. Like I, yeah, I fair. almost fair. never go go anywhere, uh, with like my job and, and everything that's that's going on. Like I, I rarely ever take trips that would that I would think, oh, let me bring my switch. I haven't even touched my switch, and I don't think I've touched my switch this year. Um, well, good thing we're now I mean, beyond just a Nintendo podcast. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I'm definitely gonna like I said, I'm you know play the crap out of thousand year door and i'm gonna play the crap out of super mario rpg so that'll be fun uh but like i'm trying to think of all the gamecube games that i mean it'd be cool to to have a, like a brand new custom robo that'd be dope thank you yes i completely forgot about that custom robo like sleep i didn't know you're into it this makes me so happy there's actually a d did you ever play the ds one custom robo arena no Okay, so the DS one is the GameCube one, but has a story attached. It's kind of Pokemon-esque in terms of the vibe. Like, kind of like anime-ish, like RPG. Um, but yeah, Custom Robo Arena on the DS was super good. And I really like Custom Robo on the GameCube. Yeah, they need to bring that back. I, I am very in favor of that. Did I ever tell you guys a story that I actually, uh, quote-unquote, beta-tested the English release of Custom Robo on the GameCube? No. Okay. So... Please break Daylight. Well, it, tale. oh, you sound so enthused. Uh, it wasn't a, so Nintendo called it like a preview test or a beta test. What they did, this is when I was still on the Nintendo forums and was like in their Sage program and everything. Uh, what they did is they sent me the retail demo that you could go play at Best Buy, and then they sent me about twenty pages of just character designs, like in like a Manila folder. And they're like, "Play the game, look at these characters, take this survey, and tell us what you think." But the game came out four weeks after I did that. So it's not like my input would have really changed anything. I guess maybe for Custom Robo Arena on the DS, but it was very strange. Like, try this beta test with this finished demo and this finished game that's already being pressed to discs. 
But uh, yeah, that was my one time I got to like try a game for Nintendo and give them feedback. It's like a little remote focus group. That story sounded better in my head when I started it than it was when I finished it out loud. In case you were wondering. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, Custom Robot I'd love to see come back. Crazy Taxi as well. I know we're, I'm switching gears to Sega. Keep going but... the game, but that didn't really... What was that? But yeah. I would agree very wholeheartedly with Crazy Taxi, but I forget that the, I guess, Nintendo game. It's Sega. Sega. But it, came, it was no, a I, launch no. title for the GameCube. No, yeah, but I was just trying to think of exclusives. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I uh, I think my launch of the GameCube, when I bought the GameCube, I had more Sega games than Nintendo games, actually. Because I think I had, at launch, Luigi, Crazy Taxi, and Monkey Ball. Uh-huh. Weird. That is very... Yeah. So is anyone, raise your hand, or with your mouth, I guess, is anyone uh, going to get Princess Peach, uh, was it Showstopper, Show, Showtime, Show? I think I'll consider it. Time will tell. Depends on how many games I'm playing at the time. But it, it, it caught your guys' attention enough to actually, like, consider? Uh, not really outside of, I guess, selection purposes. Mm-hmm. Because that is the one game that goes against everything I've been saying about Nintendo only doing remasters and remakes. Like, that is a brand new from the yeah, ground up. Taking a pretty big chance with a new, new lead. I mean, not. Nah, it's Peach. <laughs> I feel like it's very, uh, very it goes back to what they did in the Direct over the summer. It's very like, you know all these fun characters from our movies. Now play them in our games. Like Luigi's Mansion 2, Princess Peach Showtime, Detective Pikachu Returns. Mario versus Donkey Kong. Like, it's very, you know, the audience that they brought in through the movie, they're now going to sell the games to. So, by that token, it's not that much of a risk at all, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I had one more game I want to talk about. Angel, you said you didn't try F-099. Kevin, did you? It's free with Switch Online. Do you remember how I said that I haven't touched my Switch this year? Right. I don't know. Maybe you emulated it. (laughs) But yes, that is fair. I don't think, okay, I don't well, think anybody you can't, ever yeah. emulated the 99 games. It's hard because you need an active Switch Online subscription. So how would it check that? Because they all live on a server, essentially. The games, so yeah. that'd be tricky. Yeah, like you, you basically have a shell of a game, and then it updates everything from the server side, I believe. Um, but all right, well, that's the last game I want to talk about for the direct before maybe we switch gears. Um, but as our Resident Tetris 99 Junkie, I feel like I do have an obligation to talk about this a little bit. Um, oh, yeah. That thing was announced. What was announced? before? Yeah, well, you do yours before yeah. I do mine. No, what, what was announced? No, no. What we care about to talk about. Oh, F-099? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, I I personally think the 99 games, including Mario 30, Super Mario 35, which is not 99. It's 60. Less that was only their second. They haven't even made yeah. it past. You know, maybe maybe we need their, maybe their ninety nine games. Maybe I need a new name for these. So I think yeah, I thought they were talking about ninety nine games. I know, yeah. no. So I'll call them uh, retro retro games with an unreasonably large number of opponents series. There we go. Okay, the retro game. What acronym did what, what acronym did that create? Uh, retro R G B W. A U L N and one or two O's, apparently, if you count the of. So good luck trying to phonetically say that one. But yeah, um, yeah, 
I I think I think while most people maybe want a GX remaster, like we were kind of touching on before, I was very happy with it being F zero ninety nine. I don't know if you guys like experienced this in your time playing the various ninety nine game. Oh, sorry, I mean the what I just call it the retro games with unreasonable large number of opponents series. But anyway, I don't know if you if you had this experience whenever you tried these games in the past. But I feel like there's always these two variables that are kind of happening in each one. And it's happened. There's been four of these games so far, right? Um, and there's always mm-hmm. these two variables that kind of impact how I rank them against each other. There's how well does it translate the original experience into like this kind of battle royale format? Oh, that's why I could have called them this whole time battle royale. <laughs> They could have called oh them Battle Royale God. games. Anyway, how well does, you know, why Star says, how well does it translate to a Battle Royale? And how much does the game offer to, as like a hook? Like a, what gameplay loop does it have? Um, and I think for Tetris 99, the first one, the, the OG, the experiment, the experience just meant more sources of garbage blocks hitting your screen. And then the add layer of picking where you send your garbage blocks. So the core gameplay of Tetris 99 compared to the other 99s is relatively unchanged from Tetris. It's just more blocks to deal with like so if you want tetris you can play 99 you can play effect you can play ds and find that in your closet somewhere like you're essentially in for the same core experience but i thought that what 90 tetris 99 did that's really good is that a really good hook in the form of the maximus cups which are still going as recently as last week two weeks ago um and those don't really reinvent the wheel in terms of gameplay or anything but they do actually kind of nod to tetris ds in that all the themes you get for each Maximus Cup, all the blocks, all the boards, everything is based on, in the background, is based on a different Nintendo game. So they're basically skins, but you unlock a new one with each cup. The cups last three days. And if you start collecting a few, it's easy, at least for me, to then want to get them all and return every time there's a new cup. And it's probably one of my more frequently return to Switch games for that reason alone. So that's kind of its advantage. It's core, it's Tetris, but, you know, I, I like the collectible aspect. So that was game number one. Pretty much as core as you can to the original experience. Then came Mario 35, as you may recall. And in my, it, to me, that went in totally the opposite direction. It used 2D Mario as like the base, but really changed the gameplay mechanics. Really kind of messed with your muscle memory of how to play a Mario. Like the online element, the battle royale element, was you would send garbage in the form of enemies to other people's screens to knock them out of the competition. So essentially you want to overwhelm their screen with enemies as you may remember from playing it so you're initially doing this kind of like not so normal mario dance of like choosing which enemies you need to attack or dodge at which times to like kind of navigate through this growing wall of enemies uh but i seem to recall and i think angel i want to say we had this conversation when the game was still out because obviously they pulled it but i feel like we both figured out that there's a basically a single way to play it like, once you kind of find the groove of how to, like, ebb and flow and ease up and slow down and speed up and that sort of thing. Like, you're not speed running it. You're not playing it like normal Mario. There's kind of, like, this pattern that emerges. And once you determine that groove, that was kind of the end of the game. Especially because it was very linear. So you always went from yeah, point A to point B. Yeah, it was really to abuse. Yeah, yeah. And it's always, and then like... If, and, if multiple, and if multiple people abused it, then they would just make the game last forever. So it pretty much just kills the game. Yeah, it's almost like... Like, you'd always have to go, like, at point... You go point A, point B, and you always, at certain intervals, do action X or Y, depending on what's happening around you. And then they didn't even have in-game events as, like, a gameplay loop hook. Probably because it was a short game that was only out for, like, a year or two. So they didn't need to build, like, longer-term 
repeat events or whatever, but the whole thing just kind of felt like it went too far away from the source material to make this Battle Royale. So then Pac-Man number, uh, Pac-Man 99 came out and that to me kind of split the difference between Mario 35 and Tetris 99. Like with, with Mario, it wasn't like a clean migration. And honestly, Pac-Man <laughs> wasn't quite as clean either, but they kept the core Pac-Man gameplay for the Battle Royale, but then they need to add elements to it to make it like actually work. Cause it's a single player experience like Mario. They just completely changed what Mario game is. Like, it still played like Mario in terms of the physical moves, but it didn't feel like Mario in the same way. Pac-Man still kind of felt like Pac-Man. It just had to layer on top of it. So they actually borrowed from Pac-Man Championship Edition, uh, if you guys have ever played that, and they did this ghost train idea. So basically, um, there's these, like, endless strings of ghosts that you would face, and any time that you would do something successful on your Pac-Man maze, you would send what were called Jammer Pac-Man into enemy screens, and the upside of this whole system is it felt a little bit more like Tetris 99 and that wasn't just one strategy to win a la Mario 35 because ultimately as you were taking on those ghost trains and sending Jammer Pac-Man to other screens, you could act how you wanted whichever which way. You're in like a maze that has multiple directions. You could choose to let the ghost trains get longer for have more oomph when you attack your enemies. You can have them be shorter uh, and nip them in the bud sooner but it won't be as impactful on, on your oppo- opponents and you know enemy boards and stuff. So how you wanted to tackle it was a little more freeform. It kind of felt a little more like the same way you would tackle a Pac-Man maze normally. Like they kind of found the balance a little of like a new mechanic but staying true to the original. Um, but then on the hook side, like the gameplay hooks that you come back, the in-game events, I frankly don't remember what they were. Which maybe is more of a me problem than a Pac-Man 99 problem, but I think it says something that I literally cannot tell you a single event that happened because I just don't remember what they were like whatsoever. So that's kind of my um, 99 game worldview up to this point. Or my, sorry, what what did we call it before? My uh, retro games with large opponent count, whatever it was. That's my worldview up to this point coming into F-099. So now that we're at F-099, it's interesting because you can kind of see how it takes into consideration all the predecessors' pros and cons. Like it's like structurally the best of the bunch, I think. Um, the biggie for me is that it doesn't fall into the pitfalls of Mario 35, in part because, kind of like with Tetris, um, F-Zero is very faithful to its original material. They basically just expanded the tracks, they added a new launch area to navigate before you get reach the course itself. I'm not really sure what its purpose is, but it kind of lets you get your bearings with so many other racers. Uh, but the mechanics are like pretty much the same, like right down to shoulder button drifts and spin attacks that feel just like you remember from F-Zero. Um, so you're not taking like the knowledge or history of a game's core gameplay and needing to like throw it out the window like Mario 35 did. It still feels like F-Zero. But unlike Tetris 99, which stayed very true to the core gameplay, F-Zero 99 can't just one-to-one expand to 99 racers because in the same way that, you know, Mario 35 and uh, Pac-Man 99 need to introduce new elements to kind of rebalance the game uh, because of those larger play counts, player counts, uh, F-Zero does too. So... That's what they did. And fortunately, like with Pac-Man 99, uh, they found a way to do it that feels very organic to the core gameplay. It adds a layer on top, like a new uh, – or quite, actually, quite literally, it adds a layer. I was going to say like a new mechanic, but no, quite literally, it adds a layer on top. Uh, it's called the Skyway, and the core idea is that with so many racers on the track, there needs to be a way for folks in the very back to legitimately have a shot at moving upwards or towards the front or out of their little pack. Or if you're in the middle, how you get out of that pack because you're all in there so close. So the game – has this new meter 
Uh, it's filled up when you collect things called super sparks, which are these small objects that fall whenever two racers bonk into each other. You know, whether it's an intentional spin attack or whether it's just accidental taps, whenever that happens, little things fall on the track behind them. And you can grab them by rolling them, rolling over them. And once the meter is full, you tap A, it sends you up to this higher level, like less crowded, essentially risk-free path that cuts through some of the curves and, hap- and hair-picked turns and whatnot. And after set amount of time, like, I don't know, 10 seconds maybe, it you just come back down to the regular track. Uh, it's basically like a shortcut that you summon on command if you've got the juice to do it with the meter. Um, and one thing I think that's so clever about this is they aren't actually changing the gameplay. It's a side effect or a side benefit of the spin attacks and the side swipes that are already in the series and already utilized. And it lets them provide a way for not just those in the middle to try and get out of the huge pack they're stuck in, but for those in the back, they also, around the second lap, have a special vehicle that comes out. And if you spin attack it, it's like this big gold vehicle, it will drop a bunch of super sparks. So it's almost like a mini rubber banding opportunity for those who are less skilled without it necessarily feeling too unfair for those in the front of the pack. Because if you want to stay ahead, just be more aggressive on the track. You can earn super sparks the same way as the folks in the back, and you can stay ahead that way and kind of balance that risk management that you already have to balance for the power meter this other way too now so it's it's a cool way to sort of it still has the kind of like trial by fire like twitchy you gotta make decisions on the fly really quick feel that f-zero does just does it in a different way which is or a new way on top of existing ways which is kind of cool um the other thing i think f-zero pulled off really well is the reasons to keep playing like that loop that the other games kind of weren't all great with um I don't think for me personally they're, these, these loops are quite at the same level as Tetris 99's Nintendo skins and their collectability, but I realize I'm probably odd man out with that. Uh, but they do offer a whole bunch of stuff. There's a rotating schedule with different cups of various sizes throughout the day, and on weekends they do special cups. Um, some offering three tracks back-to-back, some offering five. For the five-cup tracks, or five-track cups, I should say, uh, the final track is only available in the cup. So that they actually encourage you to come play on the weekend and try and get through the cup and everything because then you can try a track that you wouldn't otherwise get to play, which is actually kind of cool. Um, and and that's actually those cups where the battle royale element really shines because you need to stay within a certain place or lower to automatically um, to not be automatically disqualified, like to continue racing. And that changes throughout the race. So you'll be like you have to be closer to an 85th place, you have to be closer than 75th place, you have to be closer than 60th place, whatever. And uh, the numbers shrink as you obviously go from track to track and there's fewer players to start with. So it almost has kind of like a Fall Guys type of shrinking competition with each round. Um, but on top of all that, there's also single player time trial mode if you want to like learn the ways of the tracks. Um, there's different badges and backgrounds to unlock for your online profile card. There's paint jobs you can get for your cars. Um, there's cars you can get, if I remember correctly. Basically, it's what any racing game would offer Nice variety of things, but in this case, like, this is a free value add for your Switch Online subscription. Like, you're, they're putting in all these hooks and all these loops that you would get in a normal racing game, but it's all free here, which is kind of cool. Um, but the most interesting hook, I think, is one that almost kind of steps away from the 99 concept. It's called Rivals, and basically at the start of every race, the game identifies, I think it's four, three, four, we'll say four. It's four people, yeah, it's four. It identifies four people who have similar rankings and race records to you and the game then encourages you to not just outperform them but specifically to take them out if you can uh because you know like with regular f-zero if you hit someone with the depleted power meter they will crash out you can also crash out that's another way you get eliminated if you let your meter drain and you hit a wall or whatever you're done you're out uh so obviously that means one fewer opponent in terms of the broader race 
which is very good in a cup situation, like I was saying before. But also, I think the whole rival system is a really clever way for the developers to maintain kind of a sense of urgency and having strategy and juggling all those different factors of, you know, your power depletion, your super sparks, your place in the race with this element of, well, now there's people that theoretically are around you because they're of similar skill sets. They're also trying to basically snipe you and you want to get them. And it's like, you know, you're not just focusing on getting to the front per se. Like the rival system in theory makes you also want to deal with those in your immediate vicinity. Uh, so it's almost like having a mini mission inside your broader mission. So I, that's cool and something that the other 99 games don't really do. You can kind of have rivals in Tetris 99. Like you can target people targeting you, but it's not, which is, I think, in high-level concept what they're doing here with F-Zero, but this one feels like much better executed, I guess. So, um, yeah, I mean, I said it before, but for a freebie for Switch Online, like, F-Zero 99 really offers a lot of variety and a lot of nice features. And I don't know if it'll fully replace Tetris 99 for me personally, but it's definitely the one that I think has found the best balance between offering both familiarity with its original IP and something new that kind of takes the spirit of the IP and stays true to it, but goes in a new direction with it. So... So that's F-099, my highlight from the Nintendo Direct, I would say. Yeah, um, definitely a nice surprise yeah. if it wasn't for... It feels like half the internet guessing that's what it was. Yeah, it got leaked. Um, there's a guy named Puyo or something on Twitter who posted like Thursday before the event um, like the uh, the mathematic equation to trigger F-0 on like a graphing calculator or something. And then someone, I don't know, someone made some joke about F-099 and he basically retweeted it. And it was like, yeah. I mean, he didn't say yeah, but he started like, all the people that were joking about F-099, he started boosting it. And people were like, oh, it's really a thing. So. Huh. Yeah. Like that. Yep. Huh. He leaked a lot of stuff, actually. But Mario vs. Donkey Kong was leaked by him. Uh, another code, it wasn't clear it was another code, but he said a DS and a Wii remake, which I think people thought were two separate franchises getting remade, but it ended up being two in one. But, yeah, dude's reliable. So if you want spoilers for Next Direct, go find Poyo on Twitter before the Nintendo ninja, ninjas, you know, kill him. Oh. Um, Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. That escalated quickly, didn't it? Yeah. Almost <laughs> way too quickly. The I was going to say that? get him. I was going to say get him, but then I said kill him for some reason. So, yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but anyway, I so that I was playing that on the Switch. Um, Kevin, you said you don't play your Switch, but you did mention you're playing on your Steam Deck, specifically. I am playing on my and Steam Deck. And I see deck. on here you have a game from your Steam Deck on the list. Would you like to tell us about it? Uh, I don't know if I want to tell you about it. Well, I said like to, not want to. You could not have... Oh, I guess those are the same word. <laughs> mm. Well, if you feel so inclined, or if you want to tell Angel and just pretend I'm not here, that's acceptable. Okay, yeah, that works. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I've been playing Eliza P, uh, which I believe is the debut game by this developer called NeoWiz, which is a, a South Korean studio. And this game is clearly inspired by Souls-like games, but mainly Bloodborne. Um, as a lot of you probably already know, Bloodborne is the greatest game of all time. Um, nothing even comes close to it. That is a fact, not a matter of opinion. Um, um no, um, it's no, it it definitely um, is. Um, it definitely Mario is. Mario World would like a word. Yeah, Mario's Mario's a Mario's a good number two, but uh, just mm. doesn't hold a candle to Bloodborne. Anyways, mm. I don't know, Jason. Mm. All, uh, only one of us here has played Bloodborne and Super Mario World, so ah, uh, that's actually a very really good point. 
Damn. <laughs> I can't. I literally can't argue with that. Yeah. Damn, Jason. <laughs> I know. I'm just going to walk out of the room. Bye. <laughs> uh, but anyways, so Bloodborne is absolutely my favorite game of all time. And uh, unfortunately, there has been no remaster announced or like an update to make that game make that game run better than it did on the uh PS4. Although there's always rumblings that oh Bloodborne remaster is uh is finally coming out. It's finally going to get announced. And every year I fall for it every single goddamn time. Uh but thankfully I I'm happy to report that Liza P is uh definitely the next best thing uh when it comes to Bloodborne type games. Um like I said, this is definitely more inspired by Bloodborne and, to a degree, Sekiro, both from uh, from software, one of my favorite developers in the business. Uh, like, a lot of Souls games mainly get their inspiration from Dark Souls and the uh, Demon Soul uh, single game. So, it is pretty exciting that we get one that that's DNA is definitely uh, closer to Bloodborne. Uh, like I said, I'm 10 hours in. This game is pretty damn fun. The basis of it is you are playing as Pinocchio. Yes, Pinocchio. And you're traversing this world of Krat, which is this very Victorian, gothic, steampunk town that definitely evokes the feeling of Yarnum and Bloodborne. Uh, just with like some slight twists. Uh, and the city of Krat, it's been overrun by mechanical puppets that have been running amok, killing its uh, residents. So it's up to you as Pinocchio to find Geppetto as he's like one of the few that know how to stop uh, the puppets and uh, the rebellion. Uh, as far as the story goes, it's it's very much in line with those other games where story isn't the necessarily the forefront, but with a lot of items and with a lot of like lore that you will learn through other characters, you you'll like slowly start to unravel the story. And I mean, the basic premise is good enough for me. Like I can. I can understand where or like why I'm, you know, fighting these monsters. Um, but I'm not actually too familiar with the original story of Pinocchio or even the Disney movie for that fact. I, I've never seen it. Uh, what about the, the Pinocchio the Toro one? Yeah, what about I, I have not seen the Del Toro movie either. Oh, damn. Side note, the, what a thing. renaissance for the little boy with the nose and the lying. Like, he's really, like, he's in so much all of a sudden. There's a Live action Pinocchio. There's a Toro Pinocchio. There's this. Was he in the, like did he months. just recently get released in the public domain? Is that why all this stuff is happening? That must be it. That's actually a very good point. Probably a couple years ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only thing that I could say. I I saw this like really funny parallel where, uh, you know, these dark Pinocchio stories have been thriving. Liza P and that uh, Guillermo del Toro movie, and yeah. then all the dark adaptations for Winnie the Pooh just really really <laughs> suck. They're making a sequel to the horror one though, apparently. Oh really? I heard that movie's terrible. Like a Blood and Honey or whatever. Yeah, they're yeah. doing a sequel. Honey and Blood. Yeah. I I heard that movie was terrible, but I I haven't seen it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I like I've never seen this new movie. The the closest I've I've gone to that movie was uh when you're inside Monster and in Kingdom Hearts one. Uh, but I do know that Jiminy Cricket, uh, is your companion in Kingdom Hearts, and you even have a little Jiminy in this one as well, who's uh also giving you a fair bit of exposition whenever you're entering like a brand new town. When it comes to the gameplay itself, it's like I said, it's a mix of Bloodborne and Sekiro. Uh, Bloodborne definitely changed up the Souls formula by making you go on the offensive as opposed to standing your ground with a shield and waiting for a counterattack. 
Um, that's why I really, really love about that game. Uh, in this game, similar to Bloodborne, uh, after you get hit by an enemy, you can actually sort of go for a counterattack and then regain some of that health that you just lost. Um, and then when it comes to the Sekiro parallels, that's where you essentially have to do a perfect block whenever an enemy is attacking you. You don't have a shield in this game. I mean, later you can get sort of a shield, but it's not a shield the same way that a shield is in the Souls games. Have you guys ever played the Souls games? I don't think I've ever asked you guys this. No. I've witnessed them. I don't think that. You've witnessed them just like the, uh, crap, or the, the War Boys from, uh, Mad Max Fury Road? Yes, and then as I was standing in front of the game as it was running on TV, I screamed, witness me, and inhaled some spray paint. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... But no, I've, I've watched people play them is what I mean. Right. You know? the, the Souls games are very much... Especially uh, later on in the, as the series progressed, especially with, like, Elden Ring, uh, those were very much uh, choose your type of gameplay, whether you want to be, uh, like, heavily fortified with the shield or not. Uh, here, just like Bloodborne and Sekiro, you have no shield. You have that tiny little shield that you can get later on, but it's not really meant as a defensive move. Um, so here you have to essentially perfect parry. Otherwise, if you just hold block, you'll get reduced damage from whatever attack is uh, being aimed your way. But if you do a perfect parry, you will sustain no damage. Um, and the timing is not friendly as it was in Sekiro. I thought Sekiro's timing was difficult. This game, man, you can't spam... Uh, block the same way that you could in Sekiro. Here, your timing has to be very, very precise. Um, and then, like, another parallel to Sekiro is Pinocchio's left arm can be customized to do a specific action. So, currently, I have, uh, like, a grappling hook where I will pull enemies towards me, and then you can unlock other other abilities, such as uh, just electrifying your enemies who are straight up in front of you. There's just a lot of cool ideas uh, on top of those that I feel like make it distinct from the Soul series, uh, I I hate weapon degradation, as I always bring up that fact in the uh, in the uh, Breath of the Wild games. Uh, but mm -hmm. here in this game, at the very least, weapons don't decay as fast as those do. And in here, you also have this uh, grindstone on your arm that you'll have to constantly use to have your weapon at peak performance. Um, and there's been situations where my weapon is really close to to losing its uh its edge i guess and in the middle of boss fights and it's very very like nerve-wracking having to pull away while this boss is chasing you and finding like a split second to uh use your grindstone to have your weapon do maximum damage um like another thing that, that i think is really really clutch about this game is the estes flask equivalent which is basically how you regain your health in this game it's called a pulse cell um and it'll replenish your health. And what's really cool about it is that once you run out of cells, you can actually recharge it by damaging your enemies. Like, this game is, is completely focused on being on the offensive, uh, which I totally, totally love. Uh, my favorite aspect of the game is actually this... Uh, it's, like, minor, but it's still really, really fun. It's weapon customization, where whenever you find an, a weapon, you'll find two parts of it, the blade and the handle. And then you can mix and match blades to your liking. So... You can have a really, really short blade on a really, really long handle to sort of like spear your enemies. Um, or you can have like a really big blade with a small, really, like a really small handle. And the handle will usually determine uh, what kind of motion your attacks will uh, will take. Uh, 
when it comes to enemies, the variety, I re- the variety, I really like. It's not massive, like especially towards the end of the Soul series, like Elden Ring. Uh, but like you start off fighting those mechanical puppets and crap, and then eventually you'll start fighting some like eldritch like enemies with their own different weaknesses, and so each enemy obviously you have to approach differently. Uh, the bosses themselves have been pretty challenging. Nothing that's made me throw my controller in frustration, but still, they're, like, difficult enough to keep me on the edge of my seat and grant me a sweet sigh of relief once I do beat that boss. Um, and there's one aspect of the game that I'm not digging at all. It's the linearity. The earlier Souls games have had some fantastic branching paths as you play through the game, and this game is pretty much... You've got one path to go forward through, and towards the end of that path, you unlock a shortcut to the last bonfire that you found. Um, so, not not the best aspect of that game by by a mile, but I don't know. The gameplay is like solid enough to keep me just going through the game. Um, this game will probably the next be the next one that I roll credits for. Like I I can't remember the last time I I rolled credits for a game. It's probably my second favorite game of the year behind uh, Baldur's Gate. Oh, wow. Didn't expect to hear that about uh, American McGee's Pinocchio. <laughs> I wonder if he did make it. A... <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, that is, actually. Yeah, and I was playing uh, playing it on my Steam Deck. Runs runs really well on there. Um, yeah, that's that's Liza P. It's the Pinocchio renaissance continues. Nice. Well, it's only been out for a little bit, right? Like, so it's, it's been out for more. about... Three weeks a to a month. I remember yeah. I was always perplexed by it because they always showed trailers for it at the Game Awards. And I had no idea who the developer was or what it was, but it, it's making a lot more sense now that you've <laughs> talked it through. Yeah, I remember watching that original trailer and just being like, oh my god, somebody made a Bloodborne like, spiritual sequel. Which it, it definitely feels like it. Uh, like I said, when it comes to its uh, linearity, it's that's <laughs> where obviously from software has like perfected that but i don't know if, they, if i'm 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 glad i'm really happy with the game and i hope uh nice. i hope they do dlc that'd be really really cool uh i want to see more of this world and i want to play more of this gameplay nice. yeah i feel like um mm. a game this year has been a good year for games lining up with people's hype yeah. i can't think of a single game that came out that like cyberpunked it <laughs> for like a better uh, term. there's some people not too happy with Starfield, but I but I overall see a more positive outlook for that game mm. than I do uh, yeah. a negative one. Yeah, no, I've I've seen similar where some say it gets a little mundane, but yeah, it's generally more positive. Yeah, I agree from what I've seen. Yeah, nice, nice. And Angel, you haven't been playing anything, huh? No, I mean I've I've been breathing more into Final Fantasy Seven. I made it past the the bee club. Um, oh, the honeybee. Yeah, the honeybee lounge. Um, where Wait, I forgot. Are you playing remake or or original? Original. Original. Right, that's right. Original. Yeah, then eventually I'll play the remake. But yeah, that's mainly been the only thing. I just Smash Brothers again, as usual. So what have you been? Cause actually, I'm gonna throw a topic at you that you didn't put on the list. You listen to Sonic on Spotify? Yeah, I do. Time time. No, in a in a theatrical setting, 
for the Sonic Symphony. I'm surprised you didn't put it on the list. Huh. I have forgotten I went to that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, saw, I, I saw videos of people seeing uh, City Escape, and I was... Not that I was jealous, but I was like, man, they're really getting into it. That's really, really fun. No, it was it was pretty amazing. I don't think I've... I don't know if I mentioned this on the last podcast, but I want to say that I told someone that I knew... No, not that I knew. I guess technically this is the first concert that I'm going to since probably the Zelda one. That I guess I felt I had a really good chance of liking. I've been to many concerts this year and for most of them are and most of them are from bands or groups that I only discovered recently ish. And this one was obviously gonna be very different because it has years and years and years of nostalgia with it. So yeah, nothing can really compete with anything that came out of that. Even, you know, the first hour was the symphony portion of it. Which was very great, as you would expect. And then um and then after the hour break, well, I mean, highlight for me, at least especially from the symphonic part, was Sky Sanctuary. That was just such a good track. They only did one, one song from Sonic. Oh, one song from Sonic 3. Sonic 1 and Sonic 2 got entire medley. Sonic 3, they just did Sky Sanctuary. And I think a different title thing. And then they Imagine jumped. if your uh, sentence just ended there. <laughs> I went to a Sonic concert and they did one song from Sonic, <laughs> and that's just where you stopped. <laughs> yep, very climactic. And then, of course, you had the the CG era, and and it wasn't just Crush Forty. They had I didn't realize there were so many vocalists, especially even in Crush Forty. I guess they have two primary vocalists that flop between songs, because one of them. The person that does Escape from the City is not the same person that's saying Live and Learn. But they mentioned how they had like a Sounds of Sonic concert and how they did that a long time ago. And yeah, it's just, it's just crazy how, how amazing it is to finally hear, you know, Fresh 40 perform live. Oh, that's really cool. And then also just hearing like, I've, I'm familiar enough with the other vocal tracks. I guess I enjoyed them enough to listen to them, but like the one for Sonic Colors, the one for Sonic and the Black Knight, they even did the one from Sonic 06, and whoever was doing the editing clearly had was having a ton of fun. Like even, you know, pointing where... video, you mean? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, just like the person that's just doing the editing for the whole show. Um, Yeah, you could tell they were having a great time just dumb poking fun at the... You know, Sonic memes like when he drowns or stuff like that. But yeah, it was it was really really great. So was it? It was first an hour orchestra that was a rock show, or did the orchestra yeah. play with the rock show? Like how that? It was first just an orchestra for the first hour, and then it turned into the rock show. But the orchestra was still there and always just providing additional sounds. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Which is always awesome because you know you get hints of violin and all that fun stuff. Right, right. Uh, and this was at the Dolby Theater, home of the Academy Awards, right? Yep. It's a big theater. Yeah, right next to where the Pokemon Museum was. Yes, yes, the Pokemon uh, Kogi um, art exhibit that came from Japan and is here in LA for 
seven months, six months, something like that. Hmm. That was interesting, actually, because you and I went to that on Saturday, and that wow, I forgot right we you forget a lot of things, it seems. Uh, no, but that, um, that was – I wasn't planning to talk about that, but it's interesting because, like, it's – well, I mean, one, it's an exercise in just brand awareness because, you know, Pokemon Company put the bill on this thing. It's free to attend. It's the way to, like, hey, everyone, look at Pokemon in this new light and remember the brand and go buy your Pikachu merch. Like, there's obviously that level of it. But also it's just really cool because it was, it was um, through the lens of, like, half a dozen – maybe a little more different artists um, who specialize in Kogi, which is Japanese craft art. So there are things that were ceramic. There were things that were like uh, textile, like lace. Uh, they had these 900 ropes that were hanging from the ceiling, like these lace ropes or lace strings, I guess. And in them were like hidden little Pikachus that were like cut out and put in it. So from a distance, just looked like some ropes hanging down. But when you got up close, you could see a couple different Pikachus in different poses. It had like... Uh, like the ceramics were either there's a mix of like some were painted with Pokemon art on them. Some had um, like some really detailed patterns where you really look closely to see what Pokemon were in them. There are over 500, I believe, Pokemon on one vase alone that you could try to identify. Um, and then some like had like Pokemon kind of melded in them. So there's like this like pot that um, the ceramic pot that had uh, like a Charizard sort of coming out of it. It, it was really cool because it's like a way to see a different culture's art that maybe I wouldn't pay much attention to, but, you know, Pokemon kind of got me there looking at it. Like, there were, like, you know, fabrics and kimonos and, and I don't know what else. There was, uh, like, statues made. They had, like, the evolu the Eevee evolutions made of, like, you know, put together with, like, copper and other materials. And it was it was a really cool exhibit. Um, And it's free, so if anyone listening is in L.A. between now and January... I'd say it's worth checking out. You won't take long there. I mean, Angel, how long did we spend? Like 20, 30 minutes? 20, 20 minutes 30 minutes. minutes. Yeah, and that's because I was taking a million photos. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it's a cool little thing. Like if you happen to be in Hollywood anyway as a tourist, like definitely if you're a fan of Pokemon, check it out just for the novelty of it all, if nothing else. Yeah. 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 Agreed. I see also – yeah, I see also. Do you remember seeing movies? Uh, you don't remember music. You don't remember art exhibits. Do you remember movies, Angel? Mm, nothing animated, that's for sure. Okay. Do you remember live action? Do you remember uh, maybe a murder mystery set in an Italian murder. city? Perhaps it was a haunting. In oh, Venice? Someone died in a canal-based city like Venice, California. Yes. No. In Venice, Italy. Does this ring any bells? Hmm. Guess not. But that's, that's weird because you were sitting next to me at the movie. But okay. Yeah. Let's talk about a haunting in Venice. The Tina Fey <laughs> joint, right? Yeah. Yeah. Her work. Her post Thirty Rock work. Yes. Minus everything else she's done since Thirty Rock. Um. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, you. You uh, go ahead. Well. It was fun. Did we see this together? Yeah, we we uh, we went with a coworker of his oh, gotcha, randomly. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it was late one evening. We went and saw Haunting in Venice, and yeah, it was fun. It was a it was a fun little movie. I did not know what to expect from it. I honestly didn't know much about it until I think like the day of, and Jason was telling me how it's like a, I guess part of like a self-contained universe where these movies are kind of. Interconnected, but you don't really need to watch 
them all to get any individual they, one. They're serialized, or whatever the term is. Um, but yes, was that? Did you want me to now fill in the gap there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they're set in this world where there's um, Piro, I think, is the detective. Uh, Death on the Nile, Murder on the Orient Express, A Haunting in Venice. You may be noticing a pattern in namings of movies because they're all part of the same series. It's all the same detective. Uh, but this one, I've never seen the other ones, and I wasn't planning to see this one until Angel sort of invited me to tag along so he's seeing it by my house. But um, by my apartment, I should say. But uh, yeah, it, it's like it was like kind of an, a typical murder mystery but with a little like pseudo horror movie slant to it like it wasn't horror but they tried to do a couple jump scares they had like the the creepy camera angles a lot of dark scenes a lot of like kind of you know high-pitched violin like like that sort of stuff like throughout at times you know it was like kind of a murder mystery in the way that glass onions a murder mystery with kind of a comedy bend to it this is kind of a murder mystery with kind of a light diet horror (laughs) bend to it i guess you could say would you say that's probably a safe way to describe it, Angel? Yeah, I thought you did pretty good. Yeah, and it, it was fun. Um, but what's interesting, yeah, you mentioned it. Tina Fey's in it, uh, and like I don't, you don't usually see her do roles that aren't comedy, like straight up comedy. But she is playing like an associate of Poirot, yeah, uh, who has history with him. Yeah, the yeah the movie was definitely it leaned more on the comedy side than I expected. I thought it was going to be more of a serious. I guess it's a serious affair, but no, it it's light. Being... Yeah, like Tina is still doing a comedic role. Yeah, yeah, it was very much still done pretty lightly, and you know, it was but fun. it's not like it's not like slapstick. It's like humorous, but it's not like comedy. Like it's it's somewhere between. It's like light heart. It's like light horror. I don't know how to say it. It's an interesting blend of genres, but yeah, it um it was it was pretty fun. It what was interesting about it is they went really crazy. I don't know if this is a staple of the franchise, if they're doing a horror movie homage or what, but there's some very interesting cinematography choices in this movie. A lot of unusual camera angles, a lot of like kind of sideways things, angled things, things that were kind of like spinning slowly. Like there's a lot of camera angles that don't typically occur in movies like this, I feel like, in like murder mysteries. So I thought that was kind of interesting that the director was having a little fun with it and doing some – like honestly, like visually, it was a very interesting movie. I wouldn't say it was like necessary that all the camera angles worked or made sense, but it was it was interesting. That's for sure. Um, yeah. It's also funny if anyone out there watches – or sorry, what are you going to say? There was even a cockatoo. Not a cockatoo. So, yes, cockatoo. indeed. One that is plot relevant, in fact, without revealing <laughs> too much. Uh but yeah, there. Uh, one thing about Team Fat I thought was kind of funny is so I don't know. You guys don't watch Only Murders in the Building, do you? Uh, we don't watch what? Oh, Only Murders. No, but it is on building. my list. It's good. I just finished season three. Actually, actually, right when we were going to record, I was I, I tweeted out about season three. Uh, but no, the um, the thing that's funny about a Haunting of Venice is she's playing sort of an old timey version, like a, a period piece version of her character on Only Murders. So in season two of Only Murders, Tina Fey, not really spoiler or anything, she um plays kind of this like entrepreneurial like podcaster who wants to like get in on like the murder podcast thing. Um and kind of you know, kind of works with and against the main characters. And in Haunted in Venice, you find out very early in the movie that she's, you know, kind of this book author who sort of like made Poirot famous because she wrote 
like a fictionalized version of his life and like made murder mysteries kind of inspired by him and like the parallels of the characters between the two and the kind of attitudes of the character. It's it's funny. It's literally like contemporary Tina Fey murder mystery character and then same traits, period piece, murder mystery Tina Fey character. But um, yeah, Only Murders though is, is pretty good. Yeah. Um, one interesting thing about Only Murders that might surprise you as you watch it, the guest star list is nuts. I don't know how they get some of the people they get on that show. Like every season they keep getting bigger and bigger names or people who don't expect or – and again, this isn't at all a spoiler because it's in all the promos. So Meryl Streep is on season three. She never does TV shows, but she's like a recurring character Meryl on season Streep. three. Meryl Streep. What are they naming up though? Uh, she's considered like – She's considered know, the Meryl Streep of actresses? Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. But she's on – Paul Rudd's on season three. Um yeah, it's it's quite a biz- I don't know what I don't know if Steve Martin and Martin Short have good connections or what, but like the thing that always catches me off guard is just the caliber of the star power on that show, given that it's like, you know, a Hulu murder mystery show. Does thing. Paul Rudd play a better character than he does in Parks and Recreation? Uh he in a way he has more depth in the character. So yes, in a way. I'm trying mm-hmm. not to say too much. Interesting. Okay. He he's more of a rounded person in gotcha. Only Murders versus a one note. Yeah. Although I, I do like him in, in parks, as silly as the role is. Bobby Newport. Yep, yep. But yeah, so I guess that was Haunting Venice. Angel, any final thoughts on Haunting in Venice? Um, no, I guess outside of the fact that I wouldn't be opposed to checking out the other ones. But mm, mm-hmm. I think I'd be open to it too, yeah. Yeah. It was fun. I think the other ones play way more straight than this movie. Oh, 100%. Yeah. This mm-hmm. one, like, was them, like, branching out, so to speak. So they got a little, you know, they, they, they had the confidence of the first two doing well enough that they can now experiment a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see. So, yeah. But, all right. Well, unless there's anything else on our little handy-dandy topic list, of which if anyone wanted – well, there's no point in me telling you at the end of the episode, but we do list the timestamps for these on the randomtown.com if anyone ever wants to check. But, um, yeah, there's nothing else on the list. So I think that might just about that might just about do it, guys. Already? Damn. So yeah. with that said, I will toss it to me <laughs> so I could do the closing show notes. Big changes in our show notes. Stitcher is gone and Google Podcasts is shutting down. So the usual rigmarole that I go through isn't accurate anymore. So instead, I need to tell you to find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Amazon Music, Pandora, and YouTube. Both YouTube at our channel at Ram Nintendo and YouTube Music, the service, which will soon have podcasts within it. Jesus Christ. So there you go. So there you go. And that's why Google Music shutting down. But yes, you can find us there. You can find us on what I will always call Twitter at Ram Nintendo. You can find us individually on the internet. I am at JSR7 on said always called Twitter and over at Threads where I post the exact same thing I post on Twitter. Uh, you can find Kevin at – well, where do you want to be plugged these days, Kevin? Your KVN Gomi Twitter or Threads or what, what you want? Uh, KVN KV Gomi on Twitter. All right. There you go. And I know for Angel, we have a big – explainer for his now every time so angel posts his thoughts in visual form at world of Wearos with an s at the end on instagram where you can see what he thinks of things but 
through your eyes. Wait, I guess you see it through your eyes whether you read it or visualize it, but you, you get what I mean. That's a horrible pitch. Angel, would you like to pitch yourself better than I did? <laughs> okay, great. All right, so with that, we'll be back when we're back, hopefully in two weeks, maybe a little longer. Uh, we will let you guys... You'll see us in your feed when you see us, but in the meantime, um, Kevin, final word? Oh, crap, I was already doing this.